I know I got you standing up long, but I'm getting ready to let you sit down. But I got a good word for you. Say it out loud. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. And I'll do what it tells me to do. And I love my Bible. Therefore, I make this as a confession. I will meditate therein. Both day and night. On a chapter in the morning. And a chapter in the evening. And because I do. My life is blessed. It's no more a mess. And everything I touch. Everything I touch. Turns to success. If you believe that, shout hallelujah. Glory to God. Father, we thank you for this another opportunity to minister to these, your sheep. We pray that revelation knowledge will flow freely and uninterrupted by any satanic or demonic force. We pray for everyone present and those watching online that the equipment will function normally as it should be, that there will be no interruptions uh, on the sending or receiving end. Your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Shine the light of your word to us today by the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. And all agree with that prayer said, Amen. 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 Turn around and wave at somebody and you may be seated. We are in a series, and this is the fifth part. I started to feel like I needed to hurry up because it was going long. But then I, I, I heard you in my heart telling me to take my time. This is a life-changing message from heaven. It will affect every relationship in your life, especially if you're married or plan to be married. But as parents of children, as siblings in a family, with mothers and fathers. This is a very profound series, and you want to take it to heart. So we're in Understanding Babel. This is the fifth part. And we're in the segment that you call Rules of Engagement. And this is the third part. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25 through 31, Paul, by the Holy Spirit, is writing to the church, I believe he's writing to marriages, relationships, you name it. He says, therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with the people that are close to you in this life. For we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him work. Labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, that he may have something to give to him who has need. He says, let no corrupt word or communication proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for the necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. So I'm I'm continuing today as we talk about the rules of engagement and communication. Uh, Pastor Carroll did an outstanding job again. He, I love his ministry, the way he ministers the word. Talked about Calm 201. Um, he asked you all to comment and give permission. I got a chance to listen to the message in its entirety yesterday. Uh, bless my life. I want to know what the model of communication is. And so we're going to get that out to you uh, online. But I want to continue in this series. I'm giving you tools to use in communication. The first tool I gave you is listening on three dimensions. The second tool I'm giving you are the rules of engagement and communication. And then the third tool is communicating with love and respect, which we'll talk about at the end. Just like you are aware of what a hammer is and how to use it, 
what a screwdriver is and how to use it, and what a wrench is and how to use it. I am praying that you'll be as familiar with these tools of communication. You need them in order for your marriage to be happy and a success. Your parent relationships, you name it. These three tools, commit them to memory. So I gave you listener on three dimensions. You can go back and listen to that. All of our messages are free and online. Let me give you all six rules of engagement before we begin on what we will cover today. That way you can have them all written down. Rules of engagement and communication come from Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25 through 32. Number one rule, God says, stop lying and tell the truth. Boy, that was fun to preach. (laughs) Number two, if you choose anger, don't sin. That's a rule. If you're going to have a conversation, if we're going to talk about it, it's okay to be angry. But don't let that anger cause you to sin. Number three, don't give place to the devil. That's for today. Number four, keep it clean. Number five, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. And then check this out. Number six, God said, be nice. So if we're going to be in a conversation, if we're going to talk about it, it doesn't matter. It could be on the job, in the church. It could be at home. Amen. Between family members. These are the six rules. If you break one of these rules, then you're out of bounds. And it's going to go south. So God sets this in order. And I pray that we can embrace them to heart. So today let's talk about rule number three. Don't give place to the devil. Automatically, we know then that it's possible in a conversation, in communication between two parties or more, that if we allow it, the devil will get involved in that conversation. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 27, in the New International Version, he says, And do not give the devil a foothold. He is trying to get his foot in the door in that conversation. And God says, don't give the devil a foothold. Uh, In the English Standard Version of the Bible, he says, give no opportunity to the devil. Don't give him any opportunity in that conversation to say anything or cause something to be done. In the Christian Standard Bible, he says, Do, and don't give the devil an opportunity. In Darby's, I really like Darby's translation in this regard, he says, neither give room. How many of y'all know the devil shouldn't have a room at your house? And you shouldn't give him any room in your mind, and we shouldn't give him any room in this conversation. And this is an important rule if we're going to be able to effectively communicate. So in communication, run one rule that we have to follow is this. Don't let him in the conversation. Before my time, they had a song about don't let the devil in your car or don't give the devil a ride. Because if you let him ride, then he'll drive. And I'm saying to you, don't let the devil in the conversation. Period. And we will have to watch out for this. The Bible tells us to be sober and to be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, is roaming about doing his business. So you have to be watchful. I mean, you could wake up in the morning intending to have a great day, get on the bus, and run into a bad situation. So we have to be watchful for it. Because if we let him in the conversation, he will drive the conversation in a direction that we don't want it. How does the devil come at us? How does he come at us? I mean, does he, you know, when we pull up to the job, is he there with a red suit and a pitchfork? 
Is he so easily be, to be seen when we park the car in the garage and we walk into, is there some kind of sign and indication that the devil is in the room and injecting himself in the conversation? How I many of y'all know if we could see that, man, it'd be a little bit easier to deal with it. But he is an unseen spirit being, a real force that has to be reckoned with. But how does the scripture indicate to us that the devil comes to us? In Ephesians chapter 6, let's look at this answer from the word of God. In Ephesians chapter 6, in verse number 10 through 13, and then verse 16, Paul says, by the Holy Spirit to you and me, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand, stand. Verse 16, and above all, take the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. I want to talk for a moment about how is it that the devil comes at us. Well, according to these scriptures, he is coming at us and God encourages us to be strong because he's coming. The enemy is coming at you. He's coming after you. He wants to destroy everything in your life. He comes not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. You might have had a great relationship before you got married, but the moment you stood at that altar and said, I do, now he intends for all hell to break loose because he can't stand the will of God in the earth. Marriage was God's idea. That's why it it, it makes no sense for the idea of a man to be married to a man or a woman to be married to the woman. If you want to be boyfriend and boyfriend and girlfriend and girlfriend, whatever, okay? But please do not, you know, uh, uh, um, defile the, the institution of marriage. That's God's idea. Husband and wife. Somebody said, get off of that and go on, Pastor. But marriage is the institution of God. And the moment that you step across that line, the enemy says, no, we've got to bring about a division, a separation. My will for them, the devil says, is ultimately for them to be divorced. And if I can't get them to be divorced, then I want them to spend the rest of their lives unhappy, not being able to get along and fulfilling the will of God for their family. They used to question Jesus about his ability to cast out the devil. Even religious people thought that, you know, well, maybe he's casting out devils by the power of the devil. Jesus spoke up one day very clearly and he said, you know, that doesn't make any sense. And then he went on to establish truth. A house divided against itself shall not stand. A house, a kingdom, a family divided against itself cannot stand. A business, church, ministry, a football team, come on, anything that's divided against itself, it can't stand. And God tells us in Ephesians 6 to stand against the devil. Glory to God. So Satan is out to divide son from father. Mother from daughter. Mother-in-law from daughter-in-law. Son-in-law from father-in-law. He hates unity. He brings division. So he's coming. How does he come at us? Well, very clearly, the scripture says we, we are not supposed to wrestle against flesh and blood. I thought this was very interesting. Actually, two things. He said that you could be able to stand against the wiles. Now, I don't, when I text people, I don't use the, wild, the word wiles. 
That's an old English word. It means, it comes from a Greek word, methodia. Methodia. Very interesting, in English we use the word method or methodology. So when God said to the church, so that you can stand against the wiles of the devil, he said so you can stand against the devil's methods. He has a methodology to bring about a divorce. He'll cause this to happen on the honeymoon. Well, let's go even further back. This bad situation while we were engaged and, and dating. And then that came and led into this. And then now he, he has a method because ultimately he doesn't want the will of God for your life. Somebody say he has methods. I'm trying to answer the question from the scripture. How does the devil come? Because he's coming. So the word methodia, uh, it's a Greek word that's translated to lie in wait. He's just laying in wait. To lie in wait. It also means trickery. That means he's playing games. Oh, watch this. I'm going to get her to say that. Or I'm going to get him to do this. It's referring to sneaky ways and deceits. So the devil has wiles, like Wally Coyote, <laughs> lying in wait for the beep, <laughs> little bug's bunny, right? And God's word to us is so that we can stand when the evil day, when the conversation turns negative, and having done all to stand, that we may be able to withstand. Verse 16 told us that we, uh, or let me go back, I missed it, verse 12 he says for, after he says, so we can stand against the wiles of the devil, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. We are not supposed to wrestle with people. Uh, I decided before Makita and I got married, we are not arguing. I'm not the arguing kind. I'm not going to be yelling at you. you know, I'm a preacher, so my voice is loud. Uh, to this day, I don't ever remember yelling at her. Now, the tone of my voice may have changed, and if that does, it it shakes me. And I'm not talking about, like, real loud, but just the fact that I'm using a strong tone with her. I'm very tenderhearted about that. I don't want that for us, right? I've, I've counseled for decades, and I see the impact that bad communications have in people. It hurts, the way you talk to people, how you treat people. And as I said even earlier in this, you can use a soft tongue to break a bone. So it's not just the loudness. But we are not supposed to wrestle with people. We do not wrestle with flesh and blood. But against four classes of demon, demon spirits that are coming at you with methodology. That are shooting fiery darts. Let me give you a definition of what it means to wrestle. Uh, the word here in the Greek actually means wrestling. Uh, how many of you all got a chance to watch some of the Olympics? Right? Yeah. Real cool. One of the events is wrestling. You know, not like MMA or boxing, even though boxing is one of the events. But, you know, wrestling in the Bible time is a contrast or it's a contest between two in which each endeavors to throw the other off and which is decided when the victor is able to hold his opponent down with his hand upon his neck. Now that shouldn't happen physically, but figuratively it happens in conversations all the time where we are wrestling with flesh and blood where we are contesting between two, endeavoring to get the other person thrown off and to have victory over them. We are not supposed to wrestle against flesh and blood. I'm here today to tell you, don't struggle with people. Now, if you are supposed to be in relationship with people in this life, then I'm not going to struggle with you, so I'm done with you and cut them off. No, you need to have a conversation. You need to work through this. We need to communicate and use our words. But don't struggle with people. But there is a wrestle against the devil. I'm trying to answer the question, how does he come at us? There is a wrestle 
against the devil. In Mark chapter 4, do you all remember Jesus was telling the, story, the, the, the parable of the sower? The sower sows the word. And these are they that sown upon stony ground, upon good ground, and upon the wayside, so forth. Well, in verse 15, in explaining it to the disciples, he says, These are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown when they hear Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their heart. Say it out loud. Satan comes immediately. I'm trying to answer the question from Scripture, how does the devil come at, of a, at us, and particularly in communication? How's he coming at me? In, in a communication, how's he going to come at me? Well, one, is it's not going to be apparent. It's not going to be the red suit and a pitchfork, a split tongue and horns. No. It might be the appearance of an angel of light. Essentially, it's not going to be obvious to the eye. He has a method where he lies in wait. He's sneaky. He's tricky. So he comes immediately. But also notice verse 17. And when they have no root in themselves and so endure for a time afterward, when tribulation or, or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. Now, two of the tricks of the enemy, two of the methods, when the devil comes at you, he brings either affliction or persecution. These are two of the, these are like the first two, the mainstays of the devil. Affliction is pressure brought on by circumstances. And persecution is pressure brought on by people. So the enemy will try to orchestrate in your life some situation that comes up because of a circumstance or some pressure that comes into your life because of a person. Something they say or something they do. But you need to recognize this situation is born of the devil. He's trying to manipulate it to ultimately get you separated from that person. He'll bring up a situation based on circumstance. It amazes me, the stuff that I, I hear when I counsel. When we were riding and, you know, we stopped by the mailbox on the home. We had a great day. Everything was going really well. And, and, and we stopped and we got this. And, and, and I, I opened up and it's the phone bill. And I'm like, $200? And come to find, I thought you, and, and now we end up in this knockdown, drag out, argument over a piece of mail trying to find out how is this bill $600 and we just had a great day some circumstance you know uh, you know this happened or that happened and we were supposed to do this or this was said and that and it's a circumstance the enemy is using a, a pressurized circumstance or an interaction with a person to bring about a divine how does he come at us he comes with affliction and persecution, two tricks, and he uses to try to get you throwed off. Um, uh, uh, Ricky Santiago is one of the oldest members of the church, not by age. He's actually a little bit younger than me, but he's been here like from the first day. And he's from New Orleans. And uh, how many of y'all know you can speak the, the same language but use different words? And so when I first moved down here, I'm not saying that people from New Orleans are strange. Because half of us are from Louisiana. So please, I love you. Amen. I, just, I wasn't privileged to be able to be born in Louisiana. I was born in Detroit, all right? Or uh, I was born in Ohio, grew up in Detroit. So when we first moved down here, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm talking to him and, you know, so forth. And he goes, oh, man, that person's thrown off. And I said, they're what? They're thrown off. Like, what do you mean? Oh, you know, they such and such. He had to explain it to me because we don't use that word or that expression, throwed off. How many of y'all know when I say throwed off what I mean? Well, that's the, what the devil is trying to do in that conversation, trying to get you throwed off. <laughs> He'll use situations and circumstances or people to try to get you thrown off, off your game, trying to get you out of bounds from these rules of communication, trying to get you to cut somebody out, right? Trying to get you to cut somebody off. Amen. He's coming for you. And particularly in communication, he's coming for you to get divided from who 
you are supposed to be with. Remember the Tower of Babel. So what does that look like? What does wrestling with the devil look like? How does the devil come at us? The answer to the question is through thoughts and temptations. He comes at us through thoughts and temptations. And his goal is to get you to say something that you shouldn't say or do something that you shouldn't do. How does he come at us? He comes at us through thoughts and temptations. And his goal through the thought or the temptations is to get you to say something or do something that you shouldn't do. The devil can't use or exercise supernatural power over you. Uh, Brother Ormond, I know you're down there. And a lot of people, you know, some people down there are really demon-possessed, just really influenced by the devil. Uh, some people are, are not mentally well. You know, they have mental health issues and can then easily also be influenced by the devil. But I want you to understand, whether you're down on the streets or whether you're at your home, Satan cannot exercise supernatural power over you. He doesn't have authority. He doesn't have power to exercise over you. And that's a lot to believe. I'm going to teach on it later. But he cannot exercise supernatural power over you. But he can come at you through thoughts and temptations. He can have suggestive power through thoughts and temptations. These are the fiery darts of the wicked. Am I going slow enough for you to really get this at heart? Because I'm painting a picture of how that conversation went so wrong. He was lying in wait. He has a method and he's trying to separate people. And what he uses is thoughts and temptations to get you to say something or do something to bring about that ultimate divide. Those thoughts and temptations are the fiery darts of the wicked. He'll shoot that thought across your mind. He'll give you, uh, uh, he'll, he'll tempt you with something. Ooh, this is about to get good. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 through 5. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. Remember, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. We don't war after the flesh. You got a problem in the marriage? We're not going to argue and fight. We, we, even though we walk in the flesh, we don't, we don't fight in the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And in Ephesians, our weapons in this armor are mighty through God to deal with the devil. So the devil must be involved with the strongholds. It's not the people. Okay. He says, our weapons are casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Um, let me talk for a moment about thoughts and images. How does he come at you? He's coming at you through thoughts and temptations. The Bible says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. We'll talk about that in a minute. Casting down imaginations. I like to call them imagizations. God gave us the ability to use our imagination. When I was in Bible school, I worked for an architect. It was my first. I had graduated with a bachelor's degree in architecture. I was in Tulsa going to Bible school, and I was hired uh, at this architect firm to do, you know, work. It was kind of like an intern. And the owners were Christians, and they knew I was in Bible school. It was pretty cool. And one day, the owner was like 70-something. And he, you know, sort of older guy, and he said, Stanley, 
when I was young, I had a drug problem. and I started to listen. My mom drugged me to church every Sunday. I was like, oh, you got me, you got me, man, you got me. <laughs> but he said something that marked my life forever. He said, worry is the corrupt use of the imagination. Worry is the corrupt use of the imagination. I had never heard that before, and it, it's, it's marked my life. This is going to help you in your marriage, where your children are concerned, where your finances are concerned, because the enemy is coming at you through imagizations. He's trying to show you that you're going to die with this symptom of sickness and disease. He's trying to show you that the money is not going to come through. He's trying to show you that, you know, your family member is, you know, having a drug problem. He's trying to show you images of where your marriage is going to end in divorce. He's trying to show you you'll never get married. How does he come? He comes with you with thoughts and images. But our weapons are for casting down imaginations. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, God's word said that he supplies all your need. God's word said it's already done. God's word said it's a finished work. God says he's given you all things that pertain to life and godliness. God's word said that you are healed and not the sick. God's word said that you're ahead and not the tail. God's word said you're blessed coming in and blessed going out. God's word said, come on now. And so he'll shoot a thought or give you or paint a picture. We've got a brilliant imagination. God used the imagination. He said, Abraham, look up in the sky. See if you can count. That's how your seed are going to be. Look at the sand on the sea. Imagine, that's how many children you're going to have. And he told him that when he didn't have one and his wife could have none. Am I preaching good today? Thoughts and images, imagizations can affect communications. Let me say it again. Imagizations is not a real word. I made it up. <laughs> imagizations can affect communications remember satan is the author of confusion he wants to confuse what you said in his mind in the the person you're talking to in their mind he wants to make that make her think that you thought this he wants to make you think something is true that is not he wants to confuse you in the conversation So the devil will put the image in your mind of your wife cheating on you and it's not and it not be true. And if you let it, then it will affect you. It'll affect what you say and it will affect what you do. So last week, I'm going to use myself as an example just to be safe because I know me and I know her. But I want to make this real because in your life and in your relationships, the devil is a dog and he's trying to steal, kill and destroy. And he's coming at you with thoughts, images and temptations. So we went out of town for my birthday, went and got the word and so forth and so on. And then on Saturday, uh, she flew to Chicago. I flew to Detroit with the boys. And, you know, they get to see the grandparents, Nana and Papa. Uh, they had me preach at the church and I got the boys. I'm traveling with the boys, you know, by myself. (laughs) Oh man, I'm telling you, that's a 24 hour job. I mean, because, you know, they, they, when we got there, they, they slept in the bed with me. I got this leg here, this elbow there. I'm not sleeping well. They're talking about daddy is dark. Turn on the light. You know, it was rough, right? I got to get up. I got to preach. I got to get them dressed. I got to get me dressed. Got to get them fed. I got to preach the word, get out of church, take them to eat, and then got to go swim. I'm at all, I mean, 24 hours. It was a whole deal. So I barely talked to her at all. You know, and plus I wanted her to be able to have kind of like a girl's, you know, getaway, you know, because she's mom 24-7. All of that does so much to help the family. Great wife. We don't have no problems. Great relation. Both of us are happy. I feel like I've been in love for six years plus. It's just been amazing, right? But that old devil put a thought in my mind that she's over there running around with some old boyfriend and she got... I ain't even telling her. She's smiling in the back. She's smiling in the back. I'm, I mean, I'm checking my phone. She ain't call me. Ain't text. 
I'm strong. I'm good. We good, you know. Man, next day, you know, Monday, you know, a little texting here and there, not a lot. You know, I'm on my way. I'm, you know, she did say I'm on my way home. You know, I'm like at nine o'clock. Are you, where you been? What you been doing? <laughs> now, I'm being comical and I'm using myself to help you. Because this is so real. The enemy will put thoughts in your mind that are not true. And he's trying to get you to say something or to get you to do something. In the six years that we've been married, I don't go through her phone. I got the password. But I don't go through her phone. Well, who's he talking to? You know. I got her email, but I don't go through her email. Has the enemy come, in, come at me against me in my mind? Yeah. As far as I know, she don't go through my phone. She doesn't go through my email. But if I allowed it, right, I could have started you know, like, you know, well, where'd you go? You know, well, who are you with? And who was there? And certainly don't let it be a name that rings a bell. (laughs) Right? So the the enemy is trying to get me to act in in fear, which is a form of faith. That I'm firmly persuaded that she's having a relationship with somebody and it'd be the furthest thing from the truth. And we have positioned ourselves even before marriage that if either one of us lost our mind and did something that we had no business doing with somebody, that our heart would be that we could work through anything. That's why I share it with you all that I want to be able to talk to my wife about anything and about everything, even if I've done something to mess up. But if I don't understand how communication works, then I can find myself living a lie. What I'm asking you to do is to allow me to help you be better and effective in communication. To get you to that place where you can play by the rules and be able to talk about anything. Amen? All right, let me get ready. Thank you, ma'am. This is so good, and this is about to get great, okay? I'm going to take my time today. Here's the thing. If you start thinking the wrong thing, you'll start speaking the wrong thing and eventually acting the wrong way. Thoughts precede action. Remember, ultimately, he's trying to get you thrown off by saying the wrong things or doing the wrong things. It could be as simple, you know, we had, you know, we were talking about something and, you know, wasn't something exciting or whatever. And, you know, she walked out of the room and the door was closed when she came in. And so she closed the door, but she slammed the door. Well, no, the window was open in the other room and the door slammed. But the enemy will shoot through your thought that, you know, she's being disrespectful. <laughs> so I'm going to go out there and I'm going to follow her by. You know, <laughs> And now we're going to have a problem. You know, why are you slamming the door? And if she doesn't realize the devil is lying in wait, now we're arguing about something that was unintentional. But it was born with a thought that she's being disrespectful. So it's trying to get me to say or do the wrong thing. Psalm 57 stanza four. My soul is among lions. I lie among the sons of men who set who are set on fire, whose teeth are spears and arrows and their tongue are a sharp sword. Can I talk to you today, church? He comes at you with thoughts and temptations to get you to say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing. The the psalmist was in a place where he felt like the people and the relationships he had in life. He said, I'm I'm around lions. People are trying to, you know, people that are against me. 
Have you ever felt that? Maybe on the job, maybe in the home, maybe where your extended family is concerned, that you feel like the people that are around me are out against me. And their words are like weapons and arrows. Their tongue is as sharp as a sword. In Psalm 64, stanza 3, I really need to emphasize this. Psalm 64, stanza 3 says, There are people who sharpen their tongue like a sword, and they bend their bows to shoot their arrows, which are bitter words. So in two instances, I want to show you from the Word of God that your words can be like arrows that you shoot out. Arrows in that day, they didn't have firearms in that day. We do. If they were writing according to today's standards, they would say that their words are like bullets. They shoot to kill. They use their words like weapons. Think about it. What does the devil do? How does he come at it? He's trying to get you to say something that you shouldn't say. He's trying to get you to hurt somebody in that conversation. I remember vividly, I was pastoring in Phoenix, and I was counseling a couple, and I was really young then, I'm still young now, but I was counseling a couple that had been married at that time for 30 years. I'm like, what am I doing in this room? Y'all should be teaching me. But they were serious. We need you to come over. We need counseling. And I'm like, all right. Okay, you know, well, what's going on? And we were going back and forth and back and forth. And then he took, he looked at her. He said, now, such and such, you know I could say some things to such and such and such and such. In other words, he, she, he was saying, now, you don't want me to go there because I could say some things that could really hurt you. And I felt that, right? And I have forever remembered that because... If we don't watch it in a communication and a conversation, we could say stuff to hurt a person so deep that it'll take them years to recover from it. And it might even be we were just emotional and we were just kind of going off at the mouth and we said something, but it hurt them so deep and they still haven't fully recovered from it. So what am I saying to you? I'm just saying what God said, the third rule in communication is don't give the devil room to use your words to hurt the very people that you love. Am I preaching good today? Don't let the devil use your words like weapons or arrows. Some people sharpen their tongue like a sword. So he's also coming not only to get you to say the wrong thing, but also to get you to do the wrong thing. In a conversation, there's never a reason to get physical. Um, I was raised, men don't put their hands on women in, in, in a way to hurt them. Okay, so I've never hit a woman. Uh, I've never hurt a woman physically. Okay, and I know maybe that's not your story. Maybe that's not your testimony. But I'm here today to tell you that should never happen. It doesn't matter what's being said. You know, she might say some real, you know, be in your face and so forth and so on, going off and say things that cut you deep, you know. In a conversation, it should never get physical. Okay, don't give the devil place. There are people in jail today. Some people not alive today because the things were said and the enemy brought thoughts and temptations and some happened. Now they're done for life. Okay, communications that went real bad. I've got a, uh, an extended family member that's in jail. So I know this is real. And, and when you get the account of what went down, it wasn't supposed to turn out like that. But it was, we were arguing all day. And by doing it that way, you gave place to the devil to do stealing, killing, and, and destroying. Say it out loud, it should never get physical. And now that goes both ways. Just like a man shouldn't hit a woman, a woman shouldn't be hitting a man. I'll just leave it there. Here's the thought, and this has been on my mind for a a couple weeks. How do you go from the roof of the house to the wrong house? By contention and giving place to the devil. 
couple of weeks ago, I ministered about, you know, uh, you know, rules of engagement, so forth and so on. I was talking about contentious. Uh, contentious, both a contentious man and a contentious woman. The Bible says that it's better to be up on the roof of a house than to be in the house with somebody who's contentious. And then the thought came to me after I preached that, how do you go from the roof of a house to the wrong house? You do it by contention and by giving the place to the devil. In 2 Samuel chapter 11 and verse 2, you all know exactly what I mean once I put it to the scripture. Then it happened one evening that David arose from his bed and walked on the roof of the king's house. He was the king. He walked on the roof of his house. And from the roof he saw a woman bathing, and the woman was very beautiful to behold. Remember what I'm teaching you, how the enemy comes at you is with thoughts and temptations. Maybe things didn't go well with your conversation with your husband or your wife, and you, you go to work and the enemy is coming at you. And he's bringing thoughts. She don't respect you. She's bringing thoughts. He don't love you. And now here's a temptation that he brings. The Bible says that it's better to be up on the roof. One night David wakes up. I don't know how this happened. He had several wives. But something upset him enough that rather being in bed with her, he's up on the roof. Maybe she... Cut him off because, you know, things weren't going the way that she wanted them to go. I'm talking in code. He's up there frustrated, laying next to the, one of the most beautiful women in the world. Oh, y'all got to help me now. Say amen, church. And, you know, so he said, so one night, you know, he... Maybe, maybe they had a bad communication, conversation, thing didn't go well. And he said, he, he's the one that taught Solomon. Solomon taught his son. And he said, it's better for you to be up on the roof. And he's out there up on the roof. <laughs> no one, no one. So he's up on the roof. Now the enemy is coming at him. Man, you can have anybody, man. She's giving you all kind of trouble, hard time. You ain't even doing nothing wrong. And she's treating you like you're doing everything wrong. Man. And then you look out and you see that beautiful woman over there. Enemy put that in your mind, man. Look at that. And I bet you, old boy, he ain't got that kind of trouble. <laughs> you want to ask, how's he coming at you? Through thoughts? And temptations. Communications aren't going well. Now you're tempted where, you know, even as an unmarried person where fornication is, is, is concerned, you know, as a married person where adultery is concerned, uh, you know, where pornography is concerned, um, where overeating is concerned. He, he's just coming. You know, some of us, we emotionally eat. You know, not able to communicate well. And now, you know, we're tempted to get off cycle and, you know, start eating things and, and feeling depressed and all kinds of things. Let me get ready to wrap this up. In Second Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 4, he says that the weapons of our warfare are, are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Make a note in, in your text for strongholds. Bishop Davis from the Impact Church in Jacksonville, he taught me this, that when the Bible talks about a stronghold in this verse, it's referring to a demonically induced pattern of thinking. Whew, that's deep. It's talking about a demonically induced pattern of thinking. Your wife said something, didn't say something. Your husband said something, didn't say something. Your friend, worker, whatever. And the devil is putting thoughts in your mind along a certain pattern whether it be patterns in their life and communication or patterns in your life and communication. But he's got it. There's a methodology. He's trying to get you to say something you're not supposed to say. He's trying to get you to do something that you're not supposed to do. Notice a stronger. The, 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 the weapons of our warfare are mighty through God to the pulling down, the pulling down, casting out imagination, bringing into captivity everything thought. The weapons of our warfare are for the pulling down of demonically induced patterns of thought. The enemy sowing seeds of thought to get you to think that that other person 
is doing or, say, or, or, or means something that they don't mean or doing something that they're not doing. And Ephesians 4.27 in the NIV tells us fairly clearly a huge rule in communication is don't give the devil a foothold. Particularly, don't give a devil room in your mind to get you to believe something that's not true. Or to get you to do something or say something. Amen? Did y'all get anything out of this today? Whew, man, this is, this, is, this is good, right? So I was going to try to rush that to do two in one. Because the next, the next rule is the, is the real rule. Keep it clean. All right. So come back next week. For those of you that are online, log in, come online, come in person. We've got room for you. Be glad to have you. But before we go, maybe that's you and you're here today. And man, I put my finger on it. The devil has manipulated your mind to think things that you shouldn't be thinking, things that you don't know to be true. If that's you, get them off of you. Cast down the imagination. I want to lead you in a word of prayer. This is so important. Mean this from your heart, and you'll be using your weapon to pull down the strongholds and to cast down imaginations. If that's you, I want everybody to pray it, but mean it from your heart. Say it out loud. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for this word today. I needed it. And right now, I use the weapons you have given me to cast down imaginations, high things that exalt themselves. I bring into captivity every thought. This is my mind. And I refuse to allow the devil room in his thoughts. So I thank you for my ability to cast down and pull down strongholds, demonically induced patterns of thinking. I renounce negative thinking. I renounce the lies of the devil. If I don't know it to be true, I don't know it to be true. And I don't accept it to be true. So help me, Father, from this day forward, to guard my mind, to guard my heart, above all that I guard. And in communication, I will not, I will not, I will not give place to the devil. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. And the power of your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I will not be manipulated in my mind to believe some lie from the devil in the name of Jesus. Glory to God. Man, this was good. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. Well, we're just like out of time, way over time. Thank you for being gracious and merciful.